Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Welcome back to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. How y'all doing? Oh, good Lord. Well, we are coming off of um, here in LA. Um, It was Labor Day weekend and it was 118 degrees here. So I'm, and now there are fires raging literally everywhere. Um, the moon was bright red. The sun has been bright red. It's been like as apocalyptic as it fucking gets. So there's, you know, a little bit of (laughs) doomsday feeling around here. I got to tell you, um, it's really been the first time that I've looked around and been like, I think Southern California might become uninhabitable sooner than we thought. You know, it's always been the climate change issue has always been sort of somewhat out there, but this is, this is insane. This is right now. Anyway. Um, so that's what I'm coming off of. And then moving into the week, feeling a little, uh, (laughs) uh, that's where I'm at today. And, um, but besides that, um, I have a great episode for you today. Um, I, this is, uh, I'm bringing to you my interview with my, uh, my good friend, Bella Gandhi, who runs the Smart Dating Academy. She's basically, you know, one of the nation's preeminent, uh, dating coaches and she is the shit. And our work aligns so much because, you know, Bella will take people, um, who want to start dating again and be like, okay, but you have all these patterns and all of these habits and all of these, you know, your picker is basically broken and we got to fix that before we can get you out there. Um, and that's, that is exactly the work that I do with my clients, um, you know, during the divorce process and even during the, should I stay or should I go process, right? Like, why did you pick this person? Let's, let's look at your picker. So, while, uh, Bella is like on the after side, getting back out into dating and, and I'm on the sort of before side, the work that we do is so similar and so aligned, which is why we're friends. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hear a lot of people, um, talking to me about like, you know, should I start dating or women like jumping out of their divorce and immediately jumping into dating? And, you know, is this a good idea and all of this stuff? And, you know, here's what I want to say. I want to say that, you know, when I first got divorced, I could not wait to start dating. And unfortunately, my mindset was not that I'm dating. My mindset was I'm looking for a husband. I'm looking for my next husband. And I had that mindset when I was like, you know, a month out (laughs) of my, um, 
a month out of my marriage. And, you know, needless to say, that didn't go very well for me. You know, I even met uh, at least one person who um, very soon, I mean, I was out of my house for two months when I met this man who was just so wonderful and lovely. And, um, and he, you know, would have given me the world, right? And I just, I wasn't in a place to receive it, like, at all. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I learned that the hard way. I learned that by diving all the way in head first and then really shattering this man, breaking his heart. So, um, you know, what I tell people, and I think that Bella would probably agree with me, is that, you know, I think that when you get out of your marriage, I think dating is... In hindsight, in retrospect, when I look back <laughs> 11 years ago at, at my dating experiences post separation and divorce, it was probably the biggest learning experience that I had in terms of who I am in relationships, right? You can, you can, you can think that you are one way in relationships. And, you know, my therapist at the time, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be dating. And she was like, mm, I think you should still be dating because, you know, everyone, is um, really great at relationships when they're not in them. <laughs> it's when you're in them and on in the process that all of this shit comes up, um, and you wanna you wanna learn that. It was such an incredible learning experience for me to go from like trying to get everyone to like me to wait a minute, do I like them? Do I actually like this person? Do I want this person in my life and my world? Right. Even that was a huge leap. And the number of people I dated, the sort of, you know, the different personality types and the amount that I learned dating um, was incredible, exponential. I encourage people to look at it, especially in the early days, as an interesting process, right? Like, this is how you're going to learn about yourself. This is dating this is not looking for another husband because if you're just out of your marriage, you are not ready for another husband. Trust me. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, you know, I also, uh, want to tell you full disclosure that I am working with Bella because now I am looking. I'm not looking for a husband necessarily, but I'm definitely looking for a long term relationship. I am ready. I have been divorced for 11 years. It's been over three years since my last relationship. And it's time. <laughs> I am ready to be out there and be back um, in the game and looking for um, a loving and lasting relationship. And so I'm actually working with Bella <laughs> on finding that. So um, with all that said, uh, here's my conversation with the one, the only, and the amazing Bella Gandhi. Thank you so much for being here. Bella, I am so glad that we're we're getting to talk like this. We've had all these conversations in all these other forums, Fora, but we haven't done this yet. So I'm so excited to have you here. 
I'm jumping out of my skin excited to talk to you. Oh my gosh. All right. Where to even begin? I feel like we're like in COVID, right? So there's, I feel like this, this podcast is going to cover a bunch of stuff. It's going to, I think dating after divorce is our, our big topic, but then there's also dating after divorce in COVID. (laughs) I feel like every topic that we talk about on this podcast, we can just add in COVID for like another layer, another dimension. So let's talk about dating after divorce. Let's do it. I mean, I'm kind of an expert. (laughs) I've been like, I'm walking the walk. I'm there. I'm in it. Yes, I am so in it. Well, although I have not been dating in COVID, but um, I haven't been, I haven't actually dated in a couple of years. So, well, I went on a couple dates with somebody just before COVID. So there was that. We can get into that because I actually think that's relevant, like how that shook out. But dating after divorce, what do people need to know, Bella? Tell them everything. Fix them. Okay. The fixer. I am the Olivia Pope of dating after divorce. I am the fixer. I love it. I think the most important thing, if we just roll up our sleeves and dive in, there's two things. Number one, making sure that you're as healed as you can be from your divorce, right? And I know for everybody who's listening to this that has probably walked that walk, right? And as much as you can, you know, a divorce is one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing our clients have gone through, but it's really making sure that the thought of dating feels exciting to you. It puts a little spring in your step and that you feel like along with that excitement, you have given yourself closure on the anger, the grief, the bitterness, all of the bad feelings so that you truly feel like you are in a good place. That's when you know you're ready to date. Yes. I love that. I just posted on my Instagram stories yesterday, a post from Couples Learn from Sarah Shevitz, who I adore and her, the, her, Graphic says a new relationship is not the answer to a broken one. And I think that that is like, I think so many people get out of divorce and they think like, I'm just going to find somebody else and they're going to make everything better. I know I did, by the way, (laughs) that's totally how I started dating after divorce and spoiler, it doesn't work. (laughs) It didn't. Right, right, right. That's the the proverbial rebound or transition guy or whatever, whatever we whatever we name that person. But yeah, and and to that point, the other the other big thing, you know, besides processing your feelings and processing your divorce, is really knowing this time around what will make you happy in a relationship, right? Because if not, Our brains are wired to do the same thing all over again, which is why the rate of first divorces, as you well know, is 50%. But for second marriages, there's a 67% divorce rate. For third marriages, there's a 74%. And so the issue is really understanding like what drew you to this person what kept you in what were the red flags right and maybe you have a dating pattern maybe you have a relationship pattern a lot of this stuff is is grounded into us when we're kids and and roots back to attachment issues but doing the work around this is also really important such that you know if you're a woman listening 
listening to this, we have a process that helps you to identify what we call is your high GHQ guy, high and good husband qualities. And so really, truly doing that kind of work before you hit the dating ground running, because if you just hit it running and you're not done healing and you haven't done that work, you're going to end up same dude or same woman, different face year after year. Yep. Same relationship over and over and over and over again. And for anyone listening, I I love that essentially we do the same work, similar talking points, right? In our work, different stages and different levels. So it's just, just for anyone listening who hears Bella sort of, and, and hears what I, what I say over and over again, just know like, like this is this is the truth right this is two independent people doing their work having the exact same experiences and expertise and wanting you to heal in the exact same way for a fucking reason <laughs> right yeah. like yeah. this is yeah. this is the this is the truth of it like i i use those 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 remarriage statistics and talking about how we have got to heal and understand and take responsibility for what went wrong the first time otherwise we are gonna repeat it over and over and over again and you know i will say as someone who has been divorced for 11 years now and has dated extensively and been in a few relationships, like probably three re- actual relationships in the last, last 11 years. The, the patterns show up. They, they, they also show up in different ways and they're sort of insidious, right? Like they're not as obvious, right? So it's not like, like I'm, not, I'm never going to date a guy who does X. Like, mm, but you might end up with a guy who does Y, <laughs> You know, as I did, <laughs> right? Exactly, right. And so it's not just like you talked about, like you know, making a list of like your deal breakers. Really understanding and knowing what you want in a relationship, right? And what I see often with my clients is that now they're looking for the not the last thing, right? Which is not the same as really figuring out what it is that you want. And sometimes to that point, we, we overcorrect for the wrong things, right? And we make the error of what I call correlation instead of causation. Like, well, you know, my ex-husband was 15 years older than me. So this time around, I'm going to date someone who's 10 years younger than me. But Usually it's not the age that was the issue, but we overcorrect for things that weren't the root right. cause. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I had a therapist once like 25 years ago, and she used to say the opposite of sick is sick. So if you are that overcorrection, right? If you're like, you know, if you're she would say that I think about like somebody who had like really oh, like dominant and sort of meddling parents, right? That their response to that might be to be like more hands-off as parents, right? And that if you go in the opposite direction, then you're in neglect, which is just as bad. Yeah, right? no, that's great. I love that. And it's, and it's, you know, it's hard to determine those things, right? I'm thinking of like my own stories around dating, right? And sometimes it's like, I don't, I'm not sure if it was a, if it was correlation or causation, right? Is it that dating as a 
as a divorced woman with a child, my experience is that if I date someone, and this is just my experience, right? And so you can this, you can tell me if I'm totally off base, right? <laughs> my as it as a woman who's like approaching fifty and has a kid and has been married and divorced and has had a few long term relationships in her life, if I meet someone at this age who's never been married and never had kids, the story that I make up is that a they have commitment issues. And B, that they've actually never had to live their life for anything outside of themselves. And so their capacity to understand what that even feels like, right, is, is limited. And so am I limiting myself when I'm dating in thinking about I only want to date divorced people? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes people, to your point, will discriminate against people that are never married in the dating world. Divorce is is a badge of honor, right? If you're over 35 and you're divorced, awesome. People are like, okay, that's normal. They tried, it didn't work out, but wait, that's fine. But sometimes, you know, this is what my clients feel that are never, that have never been married is that the world is judging them. And, and I would say, give people heads or tails odds, Kate, right? And in life, we play those odds all the time. And so you, we don't know off the top of our heads if this person was in a long-term relationship that just never turned in to marriage. Maybe they did take care of somebody else's kids or helped aging parents. Like we don't know to your point yeah. what that person's story is. So it could be that this is a person who is emotionally avoidant and they pull the plug every time intimacy arises and they go from person to person as a serial monogamous, mm-hmm. right? With a wake of collateral damage behind them. Or it could just be that there is a story that we can totally palette. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause it is, it is the, the difference between it's the, it's what happened and what we made up. Right. And we make up so many stories about people based on, you know, this is the, this is the issue that I have now with dating apps is there's so little information (laughs) given anymore. The Tinderization of dating of online dating, where it's like, you know, three sentences and you're, and then you, your brain fills in all of this shit. Right. What do you think about that? Like, you know, I started online dating before algorithms, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's how long I've been around, right? Before there were, before OkCupid came along and created these like complex algorithms, it was just like dating sites like Nerve or, you know, I don't even remember the names of half of them or Match, right? That just were not algorithmically set up. And so people actually had to talk about themselves in very sort of candid ways. What are your, yeah, like how, how online dating has changed in the last 10, 15 years? You know, sadly, in a sense, and I say sadly, because the reason dating sites, like if you think about eHarmony, when eHarmony first came out in the mid-90s, 2000s, if you remember, you didn't even see a photograph of somebody until you had been through guided communication with this person. And it felt very long and drawn out. Then Match came around and had these long profiles and messaging. So it felt like an eternity before you could get to a date. And people could complained about this and they complained about the slowness of the process and complained that you don't actually know what someone looks like. So what did Match do in its labs 10 years ago? Boom, Tinder, 
right? right? To really try to simulate, to solve the problems that consumers were complaining about and to simulate real life. Boy meets girl, walk into a bar, they meet eyes, chemistry, boom. That's what, and that's what dating apps were meant to simulate. So yes, you're exactly right. Dating apps give you a tweet about somebody, literally like 200 characters. It's a tweet and a half and you're supposed to, and, but what, this is the mindset with which the industry moved. And it was responding to people going, I hate reading these long profiles. I hate the slowness of the process. Okay. So what they did is tried to replicate it. Now, I don't think that either one is great. I think that you can adopt a process that makes best sense for you based on the two poles that exist. And how would you do that? Cause like, I, you know, I'm sort of like from like a marketing perspective, right? Like I get it that people wanted it, to, but like, for God's sake, <laughs> there's, there's a reason it was a slow drawn out process. And I think that, I think that those reasons were not, were not bad. Right. And sort of that, like, sell them what they want, give them what they need kind of thing, right? I think people need to get to know each other a little better before they're going to meet in person, frankly. Why I love what's happened to the dating world with COVID. Yes, right. Yes. Okay. Talk about that. Let's talk about that. Oh, girl, I am so in love. I hate what coronavirus has done and it's touched my family and so many people's families and it's awful. Yeah. And I don't wish it on anybody, but what I will tell you is what it's done for the dating process is it slowed things down, right? People can't jump into bed on the second or third date because they're like, oh, I haven't been late in 10 years. I just was, you know, I just had to. It's like, okay, if you have a bender with your mechanic, ladies, you're going to want your mechanic to call you tomorrow. Like, that's just how we're wired, right? At the end of the day, we're going to have that chemical attachment to somebody who might not be good for us. He might be an amazing mechanic and the lid to your pot, but he might be someone that's not good for you, right? But as soon as you go through that and you have sex, you've got lots of oxytocin floating through your veins, you're chemically bonded to somebody who you might not even like in real life. Yes. That is the one piece of this that COVID has slowed down. There is a barrier to entry, no pun intended, with the screen (laughs) in front of you. Literally, literally, preach. Preach, right? Like, and I think that so many of us, we're getting out of divorce. And I think that we have to be I think I want to, I want to sort of name something here that when you're getting out of, you know, you're getting out of a divorce or you're getting, you know, you're dating after divorce, there's different things, right? I am actively, not actively, if I were active, I would be seeking a relationship at this point in my development and my singleness, which is part of the reason that I don't date online because it's like, it feels to me, oh, I can't not right now. Anyway, we can get back to that. But like, when I was first getting out of my marriage, like I was dating and I was like actively dating a lot of people and it was super fun and super informative. Yeah. But as soon as I slept with someone, I immediately, my hormones and the chemicals tricked me into thinking that I wanted to marry them <laughs> and that I wanted, you know, to have their babies and to be in a relationship with them. And most of these people like, I didn't even actually objectively like. Yes, 100%. And this is what happens. It's that damn oxytocin, yep. right? Oxytocin is what puts us into labor, 
as women, right? Right, And it's what causes us to be attached to our infants that we bear five seconds after they come out of us or heck, even through when you're pregnant, right? That is all oxytocin. And now suddenly we flood our systems with oxytocin and men have it, but in way, way diminutive levels compared to women. So, and this is what happens. And it doesn't even have to be sex. It could be making out with somebody. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't want to see anybody else. It's like, oh, come on. Like men aren't wired that way. And I'm an ardent feminist, right? So women will tell me like, I want to have sex just like a guy does. I'm like, then you'd have to have a penis. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We're not wired for that. Being a feminist means understanding your power and understanding how you're made. Mm, I love that. I love that. It's not being a man. It's not doing things like a man. We're better than men. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it is. It is really about, you're right. I mean, feminism is about understanding and, and, and getting our power and our power is like when appropriate, right? That bonding, that ability to bond and that ability to bear life, to, to sustain life, all of that to, and to be that bonded in a relationship that is powerful, it's also scary as fuck for people who aren't, don't, aren't ready for it and don't want it. Right. Or are on the receiving end of it when our brains completely shut down and that hormone takes over. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just stave it off. People don't, I call it sex exclusivity. Don't have sex until you're in an exclusive relationship and you should not be in an exclusive relationship three dates in. (laughs) But he's so amazing, Bella. That's what I hear all the time. I, you know, I hear women in my Facebook group often will say this, be like, I went on a date. I went on a date with this guy last night and he's so amazing. And I, I, I'm so, I hate being the buzzkill, but I'll often say like, you don't know that he's amazing. He, it felt amazing. What you were projecting and making up about him based on your own experience and like the, the, you know, the minutia that you know about him may feel amazing to you, but you don't know that he's amazing. No. And you don't know that he would make an amazing partner. You might have amazing sex, but lust is nature's way of tricking you into attachment. Mm. Be careful. Yep. 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 Yeah. Like a five hour makeout session in your car is hormonal. It feels good. It's super fun, but it doesn't mean that he's amazing. Right. It might mean he's amazing to make out with, but he's not going to be an amazing partner to you in your life. Right. He might be, but he might not be. Right. Right. People need to earn us. Yes, they do. How do they do that? So, so what should, like, so women who are coming out of marriages who have like never been in the dating scene before have no fucking clue what they're doing and they're get out onto, you know, the world of Bumble or Tinder and they're like, they don't know what to do with all this information, like, or like how to function, like the rules of engagement. What are the rules of engagement? I mean, number one, get some help around this, you guys. Like, I, you don't want to end up in that 67% divorce rate, right? And I get people that have come to me four divorces in, 
right? So just know that this is not a pattern that writes itself. Even sometimes with a lot of counseling, you need intervention and for someone to go, okay, that person is just like your ex. You may not even realize it because your coping mechanisms are so high, right? And this is what happens to people that were married to people that were abusive or narcissistic or neglectful is you develop such a thick skin that when someone is being a jerk to you, you just know how to slough it off. You're like, well, like that is bad as my ex but that's not who you want to be with. Like that bar is so fucking low. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And you tolerate so much dysfunction that you're like, ah, that's not a big deal. Like that didn't hurt. I'm like, that should hurt anybody. Right. 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 And you're desensitized Ugh. because you've had to become desensitized to survive. And so this is where it really pays to have intervention around this, or we just keep spinning our wheels, right? I mean, that is, so number one, I tell people all the time, help is out there, right? Invest in yourself because this is not something that goes away easily. What we intellectually know might be right. You can read every book on divorce and every book on narcissists, but when the rubber hits the fricking road, you're probably going to do what you've always done. Yep. Yep. And I can, I can attest to that. I I can attest to that 10 years, 11 years post-divorce being a goddamn divorce coach, like (laughs) being completely entrenched in this work, doing this work myself, right? Like I have had over like 25 years of, of codependency recovery and (laughs) the works, right? Therapy, decades of therapy. I have done this work inside and out and my instincts will still, still, (laughs) point me in the direction of someone who's, and I'm quicker at the draw now, right? I'm, I'm quicker to be like, Oh no, nope, not that. Right. But man, those instincts are still there. They are still fucking there. Yeah. And it can take a lifetime for people to unravel those. Right. And, and I think that that is what we've been really effective and helped people doing over the last decade is staving that stuff off and kind of nipping it in the bud. Like, yeah, you know what? By date one or date two, our narcissist radars are huge. And we're like, no, get rid of that person. So we get rid of them before all the craziness even starts to begin. Because then once you start to get attached to that person and you feel the chemistry and that magnet drawing you towards that person, that's where it gets really, that's where the slope gets slippery. So what are some of the red flags that you should look for in, in like the first couple of communications, like, so let's say you're, you're online, right. And you're like, I don't know, on Bumble or Tinder, Bella, where do you even begin? Like, and I, and I appreciate you saying like, you need someone, you should have someone help you. And that, that should be you. <laughs> let's be clear. I mean, yeah, you should dating in the beginning, Kate and everyone listening is more process of elimination right? And you get rid of the red flaggers. So people that seem non-committal to the process, you might write an engaging message like, Hey, you know, love that you climbed Mount Everest. That sounds so awesome. What was it like? You know, was it tough getting up to base camp? And if they just say, yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. If not engaging you, I don't care how hot they are. You want a partner in your life. And if somebody can't even be bothered to send a message back to you and ask a question and have a conversation, that's a red flag, right? Right. There. And you know, for me, red, a red flag is, is people who don't, who rely on their photos only in a, in a profile, people who don't even put information in their, you know, they don't write words. 
And my thought on that is if like, that's as that is, that tells me exactly how much effort you're going to put into dating me. Yeah. 100%. So you, people need to look committed to the damn process. If someone can't take the time on an app like Bumble or Tinder and basically <laughs> write one freaking sentence, right. come, on, come on, how committed are they going to be to you exactly. and to the process? Right. I don't want on the other hand, like on match somebody to write their personal manifesto. That's 5,000 words, right? That sort of shows a lack of restraint and bad decision making as well. <laughs> but yeah, If someone doesn't, if somebody sounds negative in their profile and they're talking a lot about what they don't want, that's a total red flag to me. I see it in solid good people also. So if your profile says, please do not contact me if I don't want to talk to you if your photos are old, if you're separated, get all that stuff out of your photo because I would red flag you if you wanted to date my client. So interesting. Yes. And it's okay. I mean, it's okay to say I prefer to date someone who, yes, or... Leave that alone. You know, typically in your text, stay positive, stay fun, light, and the rest can come out later. A lot of the sites and apps let you say, I want to date someone who is separated, divorced, widowed, never married. You can check those things off. You don't have to explicitly say that. Right. I see. Yeah. Good. And so, okay. So let's talk about communication. So like, let's say you meet someone and like, you know, you're having good communication. They're actually responding in a way that seems genuine. They're not jumping to you look sexy or (laughs) like, what are you wearing right now? Oh God. So, so what, especially during COVID, right? What do you, what's the order of operations, right? Like, so you're, you make contact, you're texting a little bit at what point should you go for like the video date, you know, the zoom or the FaceTime, like how long, how long do you talk to someone before that should happen? So let's say there's four steps to a date. Number one, message back and forth. Number two, take it to the phone, right? A quick audio call can waste you. Like who the hell wants to waste time doing hair and makeup for someone who's total dud or has red flags. Take it phone because guys crazy cannot keep crazy in the closet for more than 10 minutes have that phone call talk to the person make sure that they sound good they sound interesting to you then schedule the video and the video can be 30 minutes do a happy hour call say 5 to 5 30 make your favorite drink and tell me why it's your favorite drink and i'll make mine have a little theme around it and cut it off in 30 minutes i like that that's really good i remember like i i, I sent someone a message on bumble I don't know, months ago. And because on Bumble, you know, women have to do the, have to do the, the connecting. And I was, and I just said like something nice, like, hi, blah, 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 you know, commented on his profile. And his immediate response to me was, Hey, here's my number. Let's arrange a FaceTime. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like, wait, hold on. Right. And I just didn't respond because he was skipping. It felt to me like he was skipping a lot of steps. Yeah. And a lot of times, Kate, men want to see that you look like your photos, right? And you can just say, hey, yeah, you know what? I'd love to talk. I'd love to schedule a video. How about we have a quick phone chat first? Is it okay to say like, hey, I prefer to like, let's talk here for a little bit and then like move to the phone and then if, and then move to like, is it okay to sort of lay it out and be like, this is what, or is that okay to sort of say that to them? 
Yeah, it's fine to lay it out in a palatable way that shows what you don't want to indicate is that we're rigid, right? And that it's my way or the highway. It's like, hey, I would love to connect by video. Would you be cool doing a quick phone call first? Yeah. And see what they say, right? And at that point, they're like, okay, you're cool. You're flexible. And yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then, okay. And so how, how are people dating in COVID? Like, so let's you get on a video chat. It goes really well. Then what? Have another. (laughs) And another and another. I've had people fall in love doing this because now you've taken all the physical stuff out of the equation, right? Because you can't really, uh, 40 out of 50 states are surging at this point, right? So who knows what's going to happen a day, a week, and a month from now? I don't know. But, and it all depends on your risk levels and your risk tolerance, right? There's no judgment here, mask, no mask, date, physicality, no. But if you don't, if you're not comfortable going out to meet a perfect stranger in public yet, it's okay. And if somebody doesn't accept that from you, red flag. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, remember like in the old days, (laughs) we, we didn't have sex with people until you had both gotten tested for HIV, right? Like, or, you know, we would not have sex with people until you had had uh, STD tests. Right. And I feel like we could do the same thing again with like, I will go on a date with you, but I'm not going to kiss you until we both get tested for COVID. Right. <laughs> and, and, and like, is that, is that happening? You know, I don't know many people at this point that are seeing each other regularly. Wow. I have one couple that has fallen in love through COVID, through the screens, and they met for the first time a month ago. And these two will get married, like, because they developed this intimacy. They Zoomed three times a week, and every night they would write an email to each other instead of snail mail letters. And they got to know each other at such a micro granular level. It's like, well, what time do you eat dinner? I eat dinner at five. How about you? Oh, I like the last meal of the day at seven o'clock. Like they knew all this shit about each other before they laid their eyes on each other in real life. It's amazing. And then, I mean, how, because, you know, so many like Tinder was created because of this, right? Because people are looking for that chemical response, right? Or that, that physical, at least physical attraction. But I guess you've been you've been zooming or FaceTiming. So, you know, right. You know that you're attracted to them. Yes. I mean, for God's sakes, guys, we fall in love with Hollywood celebrities watching movies. Don't tell me you can't have chemistry for someone over video. It's BS. (laughs) Oh my God. And when people tell, they're like, no, good point. I'm like, you've never met George Clooney. You think you'd sleep with him just based on what you've seen. Okay. You probably would. And I bet he'd be even better in person, but don't tell me you can't fall in love with someone over a screen. Now, how do you, how how do you weed out? Like for, for someone like me, okay. Who's, you know, like I said, like almost 50, I'm like, if I'm going to do this again, I'm looking for a relationship, right? I go on Bumble, by the way, I also live in LA. I go on Bumble and it's like this mess of, of just, it's like chaos. Like, would I be better on, like, does it even exist on eHarmony? <laughs> does that even exist anymore? Or like, do you know what I mean? It's Are on. people falling in love on Bumble? Yes. 
100% on Hinge, on Bumble, on Tinder, on Match, on eHarmony, on Elite Singles, everywhere. Online dating is the world's largest cocktail party. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay. So let's, I want to sort of go back to people who have been in abusive relationships and are the whole sort of red flags of dating and sort of recognizing narcissists early in this process. Because as a, (laughs) I always say like, as a a full-fledged, like Al-Anon codependent, like I will walk into a room and the alcoholic and I will always lock eyes and be magnetically drawn to each other, right? Bad fucking combination. (laughs) That doesn't, I don't know if it actually still happens, but now I at least recognize it. And I'm like, oh yeah, stay away from that, right? Like I said, the instincts are still there. It's It's what your brain does with it after the fact, right? So, so many of us who are conditioned, as you said, to being with narcissists, and being attracted and drawn to them for whatever reason, usually childhood attachment stuff. What are the red flags? What are you looking for when you first start dating that are some red flags that'll make you, that your brain should start to take notice of? Number one, if the chemistry is too high in the beginning, chances are right there, you're potentially dealing with the narcissist, right? Because if you, when my clients tell me and they've got narcissistic patterns in their past that they had amazing chemistry with somebody on day one, I was like, oh shit, here we go again. Run away. Yes. So if you're feeling that whoosh of chemistry, that whoosh is this person reminds you of a feeling that you've had in the past. And that is typically, so if the chemistry is too hot and heavy right away, danger will Robinson. And somebody who's really fast and furious, right? Like they want to inhale you and devour you right away. And they're, it feels intoxicating. And by the second date, you know, they're talking about, you know, your holiday vacation that you're going to take together. Anybody who's bombing you with that kind of stuff, you know, and spinning you around, those are all red flags. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's called love bombing. And it's, it's design is to destabilize you and make you more vulnerable. Yeah. Yes. 100%. What are some more subtle ones? Like I'm trying to think like back to, it's the other, uh, one of the, one of the, <laughs> one of the, I think the classic ones for me that I've run into is like, no one's ever been able to crack my code or that you are somehow different from everybody else. Like I've been avoidant, but not, but with you, uh, you know, I've been dating and dating and dating, but you're the one who makes me want to be different. Right. Like to me, that says that, first of all, I think it's bullshit. Right. (laughs) But it's also like, but then that's who they are. Right. Right. Like, if you think you're the only one that they've never cheated on. Right. <laughs> like, bullshit. Uh, right. They haven't cheated on you yet today. <laughs> right. Or they, or they are, or they have, right? And, they, and you just don't know it. Well, you know, another subtle one is that somebody who's playing on your sympathy that, oh, my ex was so awful and my boss is terrible and everybody around me has dropped me in favor of my ex. Like anybody that plays the victim is definitely red flagging mm, to me. Yes. Yes. And, and also, that's a one. yes. And I also look for 
how they're actually talking about their ex. Like if they're talking about their ex, first of all, they shouldn't be talking about their ex too soon. Right. But the way that they talk about them. Yeah, completely. I mean, if somebody is, is really negative and they seem angry and bitter or, you know, it's like, Oh, my ex was so crazy. I mean, she slashed my car tires in the driveway. It's like, what did you do that made her want to slash your car tires? That is so bananas. Right. And we get sucked in to people's stories. Like, Oh my God, that's awful. She sounds so crazy. The question you should ask yourself is what did you do to make her that crazy? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then also, you know, this idea of like, for me, like if there's that much heat around the conversation about their ex, then they're not over it, right? They're still invested in that relationship. And what ends up happening is then you get sucked into the drama of that relationship. 100%. Right. Like I, I appreciate dating someone who they just, it's like, even if it's like a a difficult situation with the ex, but it's still like measured and I, and not, and they don't involve me in it. Right. Like, well, I'm having a difficult time with this or whatever, but you know, I'm working on it or I'm in therapy or in a 12 step program and have other people to talk to about it. Totally. Like divorce is never a good thing. It's never fun for anybody. You know, we're not looking for Pollyannas to your point. Like everybody, you don't split because things were good or easy, but where are you now? Are you trying to make it work? Right. It's never going to be perfect. But at the end of the day, if you have that much hostility and that much anger, it's definitely a red flag. Not that the person doesn't necessarily deserve it, but the fact that like, are you really ready to your point? You've got all that heat with you. Are you really able to commit to another person? Yes. And so how do, how do people know women who are listening to this and they're like, there's a difference between ready to date and ready for a relationship. And every relationship should start with dating, right? But there are people who are just getting out there and just want to sort of test the waters or have fun. Or I, I always say dating is like, I learned so much about myself through the dating, my early years of dating. So how do you, you know, I don't know, what's your advice for people on whether they should be dating or looking for a relationship or getting into a relationship or how to communicate those things about where you're at and what you're looking for? I think it depends on where you are, right? For some people, they they don't want another relationship right away. Uh-huh. They want to get out there. Maybe they've been in a marriage for 30 years and they don't want to just date to find, you know, the person on day two, they really want to take their time to do this. I think you have to date with intention and you have to date with awareness. Like, what are you ready for? Are you just wanting to dip your toe out there and see what's out there and learn more about yourself and who you are now and who resonates with you? Or have you been doing that and it hasn't been successful? And now you really want to date with intention to find a real partner for you and a real partner, maybe for your kids, somebody that's going to have have your back and support you and be a partner in your life. You really have to know where you are in the dating process. Yeah. And, and, and communicate that clearly. Yes. Yeah. Both to yourself as well as to the other person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how do you guys, so the smart dating Academy, how do you guys work with women? What's your, and I know that some of this has changed during COVID, I would imagine. 
Yeah, we do. We do a coaching. We do coaching programs, which have been really successful, which is what put us on the map. We've been doing it for over 10 years and we really help people post-divorce get their, get their feet back in the pool the right way. And even if people have been waiting around for a long time post-divorce, I always say there is, you know, sometimes you have to unlearn a bad golf swing to start to actually play the game well. And that's a lot of what we do with people that post-divorce have tried it and try that and try that. And they've developed a bad swing. It's like, okay, we have to unlearn this and this is what we're going to do now. And then really put putting together this roadmap of, we call it the marriage map process. And it's usually step two in our process of figuring out who your high GHQ guy actually is. So for many women, it's having a really solid roadmap for the first time as to a partner that's going to make you happy versus just doing the same shit over and over again and waiting for chemistry and attraction and photos and then watching, you know, another explosion six weeks, six months or two years out. So we really, I'm all about measure twice, cut once. Know who you're looking for and know what the red flags are. So we have red flags by phases of dating that are pages long that we've seen and where we have a lot of tools. We have dating scorecards that help people to because you can be desensitized to narcissists. You fill out the scorecards right after you've been on the date so that when we have our coaching sessions, we've got really good information because our brains can play tricks on us five days later. Like, oh, I think he actually was really nice. I'm just being too picky. No, write it down right after the date, you know, and that's what we do. So it's all of these tools. We have graphs that map out what the trajectory of dates are to a healthy relationship versus what a narcissistic relationship looks like, you know, and then how do you develop a daily dating routine that works for you and doing something every day? Like this is the most important thing that people will ever do in their lives, right? Finding the lid to your pot, finding that partner, right? They say, marry the right person. This one decision will determine 90% of your happiness or 90% of your misery. And I subscribe to that. I love all of that. You know, every time I talk to you, I'm like, I really, I really need to, (laughs) and I really do. I really do, Bella. It's God, I just think about like all the dates that I went on that if I had had just the impetus to even journal about what it was really like, right? And what was really happening? Because so often in my life as, as a dater, in my early years in, in particular, my focus was so much on getting them to like me and getting them to choose me that so often I, you know, I was I was willing to blow by so much information that I was getting that had I stopped and actually filled out a scorecard like you're describing. Like I would never have gone on a second date with half of these people that I may have even ended up in like relationships with. Exactly. And I think that having those tools in hand and the safety net is what makes people feel really safe. Like, oh, I can exhale finally. I'm not going to make bad decisions because I know I've got my dating guardian angels around me. And I think what I've seen is that anything that we do from a place of fear leads us to bad decisions. If you're afraid of making a bad decision, guess what's probably going to happen? You're going to do that again, right? It's like get the help and the village you need around you to make you feel confident. Like, you know what? I am not going to make a bad decision. I am armed and dangerous and I'm only going to do the right thing for me and my family. And then guess what? You start to do the right things for you and your family. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's so, 
there's, I mean, I, it, it's funny because I have this conversation with you and I have it with two, two heads on, right? I've got my coach head, my like my divorce coach head on. And then I also have my single woman head on and yeah. or maybe I should say I have two hats on. <laughs> two heads. I'm with you. I know what I'm saying, you know, my, uh, right now I have my head up my ass is what I've got. Um, but you know, my, my single woman hat, right. really thinks I can think about the numbers of decisions that, that I have made or not made. Right. I mean, I think that isolation and, and COVID has kept me like really isolated as with most of us. Right. And sort of out of the game, but then like, what is it and, 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 and also sometimes like so scared of making a bad decision again. Right. Cause I have, I have made a few of them in my life <laughs> and m- sort of so scared of making that bad decision again, that I've actually just pulled myself out of the game entirely. Right. And I think that, and for, for people who do that, right. I think that there's a couple of things that I want them to hear, which is first, like, yeah, that protective, like you're being, you're protecting yourself from something right? There's like, there's something, there's information there about what it is that you feel the need to protect yourself from. Yeah. Right. And there's, that's a guide for healing. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else, (laughs) right? It's a roadmap for healing. And it's also a roadblock to intimacy and healing. Totally. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to like, I think that's a really difficult thing to move through for a lot of people. And I know for myself, COVID has also then given me a great excuse, <laughs> right? Right, to hibernate. Yeah. And, and, but what I will tell you guys is that it's put a hell of a lot of fish in the sea right now. Dating numbers are bananas. I mean, we are so busy and people are falling in love. So don't let this time let you become a hermit and hopeless. Let it, let it inspire you to say, I'm really prioritizing finding the lid to my pot this year. And this is as great of a time as any. And if a supportive system is what you need around you, do it sooner than later, because at this time you get your sea legs on for the first, you know, August, September, October, and then peak dating season around the holiday starts. November, December, January, February. So do something wonderful for yourself at this point, right? And really make a commitment because doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I do Instagram lives every Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central and people tune in loyally. And I'm like, what are you guys doing besides watching me? Right. Right. Like, what are you doing for yourselves? I'm grateful for that. But what are you doing for yourself? You have to take massive action to get massive change. What are you willing to do? And what do you recommend? Like, what are the actions that someone should be taking? It's really, you need to have a dating plan, right? You need to do, it's a whole lot of work to find love. This is not, and I think, unfortunately, our society tells us, God, I have to work at this. Like, shouldn't it just happen? Like, you know, love should drop into my lap. No, it's the most important thing you'll ever do. There's like getting a new job. People go out and buy new suits and a new briefcase and get their resume touched up and practice for interviews. But a date, they're like, 
whatever. Like I shouldn't have to do anything about this. No, I think it's really the most important thing you'll ever do. I mean, you need to think about having a solid online dating profile, great photos, great text, one to two sites or apps, know how to navigate that, you know, and then know the questions to ask, know what red flags to look for, and then have a dating funnel so that you're dating multiple people. And I know this sounds like a lot, but I'm telling you, this is what we do every day and it works. So think about this. I hope you feel inspired by this, that there are things that you can do that are not hard. You just have to do them in sync. You can't do one thing and not the other seven. This is like all the cylinders have to be firing at the right time in the right direction to make that car move. I love it. I'm inspired. Well, good. I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm super inspired. I adore you, Bella. I really do. And I love all that you do. And I, I really hope to have you back on when I have like created my dating plan and I've met the man of my dreams and I can be like, that's because Bella told me to make it. And here's the thing, right? Like I talk about being lonely all the time and like, I am, I am doing nothing about it (laughs) because I think that I'm supposed to like bump into someone with like a pile of file folders. And then we're supposed to like bump into each other and drop them all. And then our eyes are going to meet while we're cleaning them up. Right. Like that's what I think is supposed to happen. That's Hollywood, baby. (laughs) While I'm Hollywood has brainwashed us between Hollywood evolutionary things and parental attachments. That's the perfect Bermuda Triangle for bad relationship diseases. So so bad. Meanwhile, I think that's going to happen while I'm sitting in my house and like never leaving it. So. Kate, come, you know, you are an amazing catch. I adore you. Love is out there for you. I know. All right. I I tell you that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Bella. You're always such an inspiration and your energy and your, your passion for what you do for love, for all of that is just so gorgeous. And I just so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I will come back anytime. Thank you. Okay. Where can everyone find you? Go to smartdatingacademy.com. Fill out a contact form. You'll get our newsletter. We put out a lot of great stuff. We have a free gift on our website, the seven clues that you're dating a narcissist. Again, that's at smartdatingacademy.com. And tune into my Instagram lives Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central. Adjust for your time zone. Follow me at smartdatingacademy on Instagram. Awesome. Yes. Do that, everybody. Do all of that. <laughs> the date, the guide, the dating a narcissist guide is fantastic. I, of course, downloaded it uh, a while ago. So everything that Bella does is amazing. Follow her in all the places. I adore you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.